Well, welcome back, everybody. In this episode of Tech Whispers, we are going to unpack innovation. I'm talking about innovating with products and services, innovating with digital, innovating with new engagement models and a strategy process, and also innovating that achieves high employee engagement, which is so critical today. Today, I'm excited to shine the light on a new CARE, the SVP and CIO of Oshkosh Corporation, a Fortune 500 company that delivered $8.3 billion in revenues in 2022 and closed the year with an impressive $14 billion of backlog. Oshkosh has 15 incredible brands serving critical customers in many different verticals, which we'll get into here. So Anu, welcome to Tech Whispers. So good to have you here. Your title says CIO, but what impresses me most about you is that as one of only a dozen executive officers of the company, that's really how you show up today. So let's talk about that and particularly how you think about your role at the company. First of all, thanks, Dan. Thanks for a nice introduction. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I think that's a great question here. The way the way I see is any organization has three key assets, people, data, and, and assets. And when I say assets, it's manufacturing assets in our context. So people, data, and asset. And I see my role is to help businesses to maximize the potential of our people, maximize the potential of our assets and data to create value for the shareholder. So that's the one dimension I see the role. The second dimension I see is I think uh, there's a in uh, in our, these days there are two lands. There is a value land and technology land, and I think I act as a bridge between value land and technology land, helping our technology team member to transcend the boundary of technology and live in the value land. And the same way I. I, I help our businesses to go and have a better appreciation of possibilities of technology. So it's kind of a, a bridging role between two major important stakeholders. I'm almost picturing a game board, a new, you know, like a new, a new game we could play in, in corporate, right? Uh, <laughs> merging those two lands together, very, very powerful. And could you unpack your company strategy? It's uh, it's three powerful words, innovate, serve, advance. And as you do that, maybe just kind of share a little bit about your the special customers that you serve. Yeah, so we are, as you introduced in the beginning, we are a industrial technology company. And when we say industrial technology company, uh, what it means is we apply technology to design, to manufacture, and serve our customers, right? And our customers are those who, who basically helps us in our community every day. An example like uh, of our product portfolio, we have 15 brands, but most significant brands I will mention like Pierce Fire Trucks, right? We serve firefighters who serve us when we are coming out of the burning buildings, right? We we have a refuse collection vehicles that is a product line. So we, we serve uh, our environmental service workers who collect our trash every day. This is one of the diff most difficult job in the United States. We produce uh, defense tactical wheels for uh, vehicles for our defense customers. 
and we also manufacture um, machines and equipment for construction industry through our JLG product, uh, JLG product line. And recently, we have been uh, given awarded a uh, contract for USPS postal vehicles. Uh, and so you will see our vehicles, whether it's a fire truck, whether it's a refuse vehicles or postal vehicles around the communities in the U.S. So that's the power, that's the about the company. And, and I think when we talk about innovate, serve, advanced strategy, innovation, we have a history of innovation in our product, but products, but we have a broader view of innovation. And it is about delivering innovative products, but also embedding innovation in how we conduct our business. So, so right, right now, Mr., we are running five major themes under innovation. Electrification, we are electrifying and creating a new product line of electri electrified vehicles in every of our business units. Uh, autonomy and active safety, uh, and safety for our drivers who, uh, who drive our vehicles, and autonomy, embedding uh, autonomy. And we have a long history of working with the Department of Defense to understand this space pretty well. And the third one is intelligent products, that how do we make our products more intelligent? So these are the three innovation themes we are running under our product category. But how do we embed innovation, how we conduct business? So there are two areas we focus on at a corporation level. One is the uh, advanced analytics. And the second is digital manufacturing. How do we uh, embed our digital into our manufacturing? So those are the five major themes under innovations. Innovate. Uh, and serving is about we have uh, millions of vehicles uh, in the field, and and our job, and they have a typical life span of 10, 10 to twelve years, and sometime in twenty years. So we have an obligation to provide services and parts to our customers who have been using our our vehicles and our machines for that period of time. So that's the underserved. Advance is about growth strategy, and, and there are three components under advance. Number one, geographical uh, advancement. We are expanding in China, right? Uh, the second component of advancement is a new uh, line of business. So like through U.S. Postal Services contract, we are entering into a completely new product line, which is a last mile delivery, right? And the third component of our um, advanced strategy is mergers and acquisitions, which is uh, inorganic growth. In the last uh, two, two and a half years, we have acquired three companies. One is Maxi Metal in Canada. That was the market expansion opportunity for our fire truck business. Then we acquired Pratt & Miller uh, here in the U.S. It is a a design and engineering firm, very specialized in advanced robotics uh, uh, and autonomy space. And then we recently uh, acquired a company, Hinova, in, uh, in Europe to expand our JLG product line. So we are, so those are the ways we are, we are innovating, we're serving our customers and, uh, and uh, advancing our business. That's, uh, that's powerful. I, I really appreciate how you've built innovation into the DNA 
of, you know, just the, the inner workings and, you know, kind of going down deeper into your strategy process, Anu, I appreciate how you do that with your team. It's not a bunch of long PowerPoints, is it? Yeah, it's not about long PowerPoints. And I, it is a, a very, very refreshing for for me, for leadership team. And, and the way we do our strategy building process, I, I'll describe at two levels, right? One level, which happens at our CEO's leadership team. And our CEO encourages white space thinking, right? Means you come with the unconstrained ideas and possibilities. So we do in our strategy building process where we write uh, white papers. And so, for example, I wrote a white paper. One, one example I'll give you is about how technology can be um, embedded, inserted to add value in different parts of the organization. So like, for example, supply chain, human resources, engineering, manufacturing, and what are the current, uh, current opportunities and how technology can help. The second piece I like uh, we did was uh, last year was about how advanced analytics and AI can help multiple parts of the business. The beauty of this process is white paper writing, I felt like is a very good intellectual exercise. And because it, it helps you to think through holistically and more creatively. But more important is the dialogue process that happens in the, in the strategy team meeting. Some ideas get rejected, some gets accepted, but it creates a lot of buying. So that is the level one. And I have taken it to, with my leadership team, we have taken it to the next level. So now within IT, which we call DT, digital technology function, we engage our uh, vice presidents and directors, which is the next level. And we create a cross business teams uh, or, or around themes, which we get from uh, the CEO leadership team level, right? So an example was we, our team wrote uh, a white paper on digital customer experience. They wrote on intelligent supply chain. They wrote on uh, digital engineering. And what happens, these white papers are seven or eight pages long, but the more important part is the process of building. In order to write that proper, number one, they have to collaborate. They have, there has to be a collision of ideas within IT team. But more importantly, they have to go and talk to the people what their real problems are for writing those white papers. So it's a very good engagement exercise. And... Uh, and a lot of good ideas come out, and that leads to defining the strategic programs that we need to pursue. So it's kind of a bringing ideas together, connecting with our customers, and aligning with the strategy. And, and I, I, I think it has the process has served us pretty well. Well, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, you, you've proven out that this is a different but special way of approaching this, opening up the uh, the way we think and uh, people have got to come with a point of view right that's well researched and uh, that's that's fantastic you mentioned um, uh, about analytics you mentioned about AI you know I like to bring mystery questioners on the show and I've got a unique one I mean, for the first time ever I went out and asked I'm not going to mention which one but one of the AI tools I asked it to um, a, a very specific question I said what 
differentiates Anu from other technology leaders. Very interesting. And it came back with four themes. So let's see how let's see how close it got. I think it got pretty close. It talked about your business acumen, your customer focus, your innovation, and your collaborative approach. So what do you think? Did our AI friend get it get it right? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I never thought about that. You'll be asking Chad GPT that question. And, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you, it is uh, uh, it's, uh, quite accurate, uh, accurate in terms of how to describe uh, me here in, in the context of the business. But what I will say, it, it uh, misses a human side of me. And... And, and I think I'll, I'll dwell on, and that's the pros and cons of uh, generative AI. Human side of it, I have lived in two continents, three countries, and five cities. And I have worked with people of uh, 25 different nationalities, right? And what, what it has done is it has made me very, very adaptable. I can work anywhere with anybody. That's number one. And uh, number two, I have learned... The I won't. I have learned the art, and I'm still learning discovering gift in others. Because I fundamentally believe everybody is gifted, and how to discover gift in people, and how you can leverage that gift to advance the their personal journey as well as the the what do you call organization mission, right? So coming back to the point. AI was accurate in most of the aspects, but missed the aspect. And that opens up the point that this generative AI uh, is as good as the data available, right? And this data is not available, they cannot answer. But it also tells the point is when there's output generated, there will always be a need for human validation or intervention. Hmm. Yeah. I am going to definitely double click on the human side aspects because that is a big part of your story. And I'll get to that here in a minute. But I mentioned uh, proofs in the pudding. I think that's an expression that our profession needs to take to heart as well as talk is cheap. And so uh, with that as a caveat, uh, in his latest letter to shareholders, your president and CEO, John Pfeiffer, talked about predictive analytics and industry 4.0 technology. This is your CEO of your company. And uh, when it was recently announced that Oshkosh received the CI100 award for the fifth consecutive year, congratulations, we're going to talk about that in a minute, John said in the announcement, we are steadfast in our pursuit of innovation, and digital technology is the heart of the advancements moving the world forward. Wow. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how, how he thinks about uh, what technology can do for business and society. I think that that statement, as you're mentioning, is a reflective of how he believes in that aspect. I always like to go to the uh, the annual reports and and uh, listen to what the uh, the C-suite is tech, talking about technology. Or if they're not, that also tells me something. So interesting. You know, kind of talking about the journey, the your philosophy around change. Um, you know, this is exciting what he has to say. It's impressive. Uh, so how did we get there? Like, how did, how did Oshkosh get here? So talk about the journey on two dimensions. One is um, many leaders in our, in our industry do not appreciate that words matter. Language matters. Our brand matters. You mentioned earlier about the, um, the shift from IT to DT. 
digital technology. So kind of unpack that for us, Anu. What, what went into that, uh, that strategy of rebranding? Yeah, so I, I will connect it to the previous statement I made about uh, people are gifted. We have to discover gift in people, right? So when I came in on board, uh, we, we had a great team here in, in IT. They were doing a phenomenal job, but the, our focus was being a good uh, support provider, right? And so what we did in, in this journey is we first raised the ambition, right? And ambition, we said, we, we created a three-step process there. We are an excellent service provider. We need to be remaining there. That's stage one. Stage two, stage two is being a digital partner. And stage three is being a uh, digital thought leaders. And quickly, service provider, I think uh, everybody understands, digital partner means where we will co-create solutions with our business partners at every level from shop floor to top floor. That's the partnership. We will come with the ideas together. We will experiment together. We will deliver together and, and transition them. And digital thought leadership is an area where we talk about is how we become so sensitive about our businesses that we understand their problems and which is unarticulated and and we come up with a proactive solution right so that's the ambition we said and i'll i'll tell you proudly we are somewhere between uh two two to three stage two to three and because three stage requires a lot more maturity but we are somewhere between two and three so when we set this ambition uh we focused on we have to change first ourselves in in it and this, that's the part, part number one. The second is our brand was established around this guy is a good support provider, right? And you had IT. And, and my personal experiences in life has been the brand matters. Credibility matters. Because most of the transaction in the world happens at the subconscious level. People just don't know that they are being influenced by their subconscious to make a buying decision or interacting with anybody, right? And so the, the, and the, our idea was that how do we work at the subconscious level? And it is about A, raising our capability and ambition. And that means we start building the trust by providing solution to the people. And, and that trust goes into the subconscious mind. And also, uh, what we promise, we deliver. And that also goes into the mind. So, so this IT to DT brand perception, we did not change for uh, first uh, 18 to 24 months uh, in our organization in, in Ashgarh. And we had extensive, extensive uh, discussion within the IT leadership team. Should we change? And... Are we at a point where what we are saying, a new brand, or can we sustain that brand and are we living up to that brand? And, and we had that discussion at the, at the business leadership team level as well. So this brand change was a very, uh, I'll say, intentional exercise when everybody felt, right, yes, we are transitioning from stage one to stage two, this is the time to change. 
And and I I I think, as I said before, it matters. It it accelerated our partnership. Uh, it gave confidence to my team. So it has so many benefits. So much to learn here. So much to take from this. You know, providing that clarity for the team. You know, because the flip side of that is confused minds don't act. Right. So you got through that by giving people that roadmap, and uh, it became aspirational and ambition. And I, I, I appreciate that. I knew so much. Um, you know, we had a, a question from uh, a, a, a virtual friend. Let's hear from a, a question from a real friend. And uh, as you listen, tell us who this is, and then uh, I think you'll appreciate the question. So, so listen, listen in. Hi, Anu. Uh, what was your strategy when you first started at Oshkosh for running DT as a as a business? And what was your strategy for having monthly team meetings? Thank you, uh, Greg. Uh, Greg Carstensen um, is a phenomenal leader in my team, and uh, I'm I'm glad that he asked this question. Um, uh, he he joined us in 2019, and he's our VP of infrastructure for the uh, entire Oshkosh Corporation. Has done phenomenal job in modernizing our tech stack, including cloud capabilities. And I'll I'll proudly say that uh, our technology is the stack from infrastructure standpoint is most modern that industry can claim. Mm. So, that's bold. Yeah, uh, good, good job, Greg. Yeah. And uh, we, we may be using different products uh, than other companies, but the technology stack is very modern. So coming back to the question, let me answer the second part, the, the first and then the first part. The second part was the monthly day-long meeting. So when I came in here, we were having meeting every two weeks, and it were two-hour meeting. And, and, and this meeting was with all DT leaders. So I have a um, uh, DT leaders, uh, five DT leaders in shared services and uh, four in our business unit. So we all used to come uh, together every two weeks and it was touch-based kind of thing. And uh, what I noticed is most because of the time allocated and the way it was structured was more tactical conversation, what is happening in the last two weeks. But as I said, like we raise the ambition, then we have to have a supporting building blocks for raising that ambition and enabling them. So we said, why not run DT similar to a normal business board? So a, a public limited company, a private company's board, what they do, whenever they meet three or four times a year, they focus on strategic topics, right? and and they have uh, committee structures. They have like audit committee, governance committee, and HR committee. So we took inspiration from that, them and modified ourselves that let's meet 12 times a year and uh, once a month and have a full day and let's structure our topics very strategic. So, so think like this, what we discuss on people's side, we we discussed the employee feedback survey. We discussed the succession planning. We discussed the uh, the upskilling uh, uh, of our, our workforce. That kind of things, a strategic topic on on um, uh, major program uh, review, reviews of major programs, right? Where we are making huge investment. We focused on cyber. So those strategic 
either risk or value oriented topic or people oriented topic. And, and the way we did is we structured an agenda and uh, a, a responsible leader comes up and presents the, the current state, future state plan, and we all debate. The, the evolution which has happened is it has helped our leaders to be uh, more strategic in how we articulate the issues. And I'll tell you very proudly today, if I look at uh, maturity of our meetings versus uh, five years ago, now our leaders are able to articulate in two or three slides the core fundamental issues and facts around it, right? We, and the majority, if you have one hour session, is 20 minute presentation, 40 minute discussion, and, and the discussion in a way that will lead to a decision point. So the quality of our collective thinking, quality of articulation has uh, improved and that leads to efficient decision making. So that's the, that's the spirit of having monthly meeting. Initially, the whole team was very skeptical what we will do in, in a whole day meeting, but it, it has been working well. The, the first part of your question was, uh, I think Greg's question was around uh, the thinking around uh, as a business. Uh, so it basically ties to my fundamental uh, philosophy that uh, pre-market principles, right? Let value, cost, and customer decide. So customer, cost, and value decide what is valuable, what you should do and what you should not do, right? Mm. So that's the foundational principle. And, and I wanted to set up uh, DT as a business that where we have uh, the same, similar type of thinking. So each of my service owners, uh, and I use this analogy inside the company, think like this, uh, each of my service owners are a, a restaurant owners, right? They know their customers, they know customer traffic pattern, they know the menu, and they know the cost and ingredients. So they are very invested in their business, right? And once they are invested in the business at the grassroots level, they have the ability to pivot uh, depending on the situation. Like if the customer flow is less, they can change their menu item. So the, the, the whole creativity starts. So that's the... The DT as a business, that was a cultural dimension, right? And But when you look at the DT as a business on the project side or new solution side, it has to be, and there has to be a collision between customer needs, cost, and value. And that debate is so powerful because waste comes out of the system. But final piece of our DT as a business was full transparency of cost and value. And, and the idea there was, uh, we, we talk about all the time, we have to build the trust, we have to earn trust, and we have to retain trust every. Trust is a, is a overused word, but it is a real lubricant in organization, right? And it, it smooths out so many transactions. So when cost is there, value is there, nothing is hidden. Uh, and, and our customers are, are free to choose what they want. But I'll tell you what, when the transparency became uh, visible, our demand increased. Wow. Our, our investment in technology across Oshkosh, and I'm not talking about purely 
my budget, our investment in technology across Oshkosh has significantly increased because people are connected, connecting cost and value. Well, transparency uh, drives uh, truth-telling, which drives trust, and you've proven that out. And I think people are starting to really appreciate the, uh, the unique way of operating that you've, uh, you've brought to Oshkosh and the results you're generating. Uh, I really appreciate your anuisms, those great expressions that you use. I've got a few of them that I've collected uh, that I'd love to have you unpack. Uh, I think I'll help, pe- help people get into the, the mind, the psyche, the language of Anu Kare. So one of my favorites is, it, this will be no surprises after hearing you so far, I'm emotionally attached to value, but emotionally detached to technology. Did I, did I get that one right? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I probably I have spoken somewhere about it. <laughs> talk, talk about that. What does that, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the historical experience I had uh, is uh, many of us in the industry are so invested in technology because our upbringing has been in technology, and unconsciously, subconsciously, we get attached to technologies that product A is better than product B, product uh, technology A is better than technology T. So my, my this code is more about the A, order of importance. So order of importance is the value is more important than technology. That's the one. And the second one, as a this was a thing for me, where do I invest more time and energy? Mm. Right? I want to invest more time and energy on the value side of the equation. I want to be more emotionally attached and spend more time on the value while I have a team which does a pretty good job on the the technology. And and more emotionally disconnected I am in about the technology, I will be able to listen perspective of my team and their comparison analysis, and I will be able to give a very objective answer. So that's the, that's the philosophy behind that quote. Yeah, no, it's powerful. I think going hand in hand with that is uh, do less to do more. And I think we all get that intuitively, but how do you pull that off, right? Because you've got to have some new conversations to make that transition in the company. Yeah, so this is um, this is counterintuitive to human nature. Like when I came in 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 DT, means people want to do more work because they're driven by work and they f- they believe that their work is adding value, and which is true. Now, now the question is when you start a concept of doing less to do more. That means there is an emotional withdrawal situation that am I going to do less? So I think the point here was, is the quantity of activity important or the quantity of outcome is important, right? And so what we did is we created um, called portfolio enablement process where all of my direct reports, VP of ITs, we meet uh, depending on this situation, either weekly for one hour or bi-weekly, where we, uh, every investment or every project proposal is reviewed on the cost and value dimension. And, and so we review in that one hour, but behind the scene, there's a lot of activity happens. 
a discussion with the sponsor, like if this project is to be done, if this project has to be done, and are you committing resources? A lot of things happen behind the scene. And so in those portfolio enablement process, our eyes are always on the value, the cost, timeline, sponsorship, availability. What it has done is as a natural process. I didn't say that we have to do less. Natural processes is high value, high value projects filter up in the in the hierarchy and um, and we also emphasize along with that in enablement is agility right we have to deliver at the speed of the business so you combine those things a number of projects have uh, reduced and our lead time for delivery so on on an average uh, last measurement we saw on an average we were taking roughly uh, 400 days to finish projects. Uh, take the exceptional project like ERPs out, which takes longer, but most of the projects, roughly 300 to 400 days average. And now we deliver digital solution in 180 days. So that's our average right now, some higher, some lower. And uh, also our, the number of projects have reduced, like I uh, is now roughly we do 55 to 60 projects. But the fact is, business loves it. Means they, you, you know that your investments are being invested in the right projects, and and there is a commitment behind it. So that's the. It was a longer answer for this model code. I appreciate it. No, my good friend Didi Ramanita, who's the CIO for First Citizens Bank, uh, the bank they just acquired, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, which is interesting, but she always says, "I get paid." to deliver projects, not to start projects. And like you, laser focus on the stuff that matters. And, um, you know, you mentioned metrics, um, you know, words matter, what we measure matters. What's the scorecard that you focus on, Anu? Yeah, so on the scorecard and metrics, the, the philosophy we adopted here was, let's copy what business does. Right, I mean, that's the simple philosophy. Don't don't use your brain. Just copy what business does, and and what it means is at the highest level, our businesses focus on two things. Right, operating income impact, which is margin, right, and the second is the revenue. But there are lots of metrics, uh, but at the top level, these are the two needle moving metrics, and we said. At the highest level in Oshkosh DT, we'll measure these two things, right? That how technology is impacting the operating income and how technology is impacting the revenue. So that's the highest level. So when you have the same vocabulary and when you have the same, same um, uh, underlying process to manage, so like who, who does the um, who does the calculation and validation of this amount is right in OI and this amount is right in revenue. Who does? The CFO of a business. Like when we are saying technology is creating this value, we are not saying. Business sponsor is saying, but it has to be validated by our CFO of respective organization. So it's, it's kind of copying the process, copying the metrics. Then you go at the next level down like our supply chain, for example, measures how they're doing effectively is in, in on-time delivery, 
They measure on uh, parts per million from a quality standpoint, right? They measure logistics cost. We measure those things that how technology helping those things. So I think the, the thing which we did is just align our metrics. Don't create uh, metrics which uh, you, you spend a lot of time in translation, right? right. And right. we don't spend time on translation there. This is what we mean and this is what you mean, right? And, and, and the notion which... Uh, I have been very used to in my previous roles that IT creates soft savings, right? I just took it out, right? Uh, soft savings are considerations, strategic consideration. When we do something, they are input in the whole thought process, but we don't measure it. We just don't measure it. And we don't talk to our CFOs, okay, oh, technology has created $3 million of soft uh, investment. No, we don't. Because business doesn't measure soft investment, right? Soft right. saving. So we don't measure. Well, I mean, we're running a restaurant here, right? We're invested. It uh, yeah. makes, makes total sense. Makes total sense. I know we have another uh, mystery questioner. Uh, somebody who knows you well, has incredible respect for you. So uh, let's have some fun with her, her question. So let's listen in. A new 2022 was some year for you. In addition to winning the Chicago CIO Orby Award, you won CIO 100 four times in a row and have accepted numerous awards on behalf of Oshkosh Corporation, like Computer World's top 10 places to work in IT. Tell us, how have you seen recognition and specifically winning the Orby impact your career? And what would you advise your peers today on recognition opportunities for themselves, their teams, and their organizations? Is she Krista? That is Krista Ogilvie, yes, from Fire uh, CIO. Yes, love her. Love her to death. Yeah, yeah, she's the master networker. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, yeah. she's does a good job. Yeah, I think that's a good question. So the way, the let, let me talk about our uh, my appreciation for the award process and the reason for participation, and then what it means to us, right? If I look at every award processes which exist and where we have been participant, it, uh, they have a very stringent application process. And then there are great judges who have experience uh, of industry and they see many, many companies who are involved in the process. So I have a very high level of appreciation for the award process and judges. And I, I, I think you are one of the judges for some award, I'm sure. So, so I, I respect that. But the second, second thing is uh, why we participate, right? We participate in this pro, these uh, awards because it, it tells, it tells, helps us to tell our story, but it also helps to validate whether we are on the right track or not, right? Uh, and so that's the validation part of it. That if you are winning, right? then you, you are on the right track. You need to work hard. But if you're not winning, then also you, you need to do more, right? So that's the inspiration and motivation. But what it means to uh, the organization is definitely we were talking about, first, it energizes the team, right? Whole, whole DT team energizes a lot. And when industry recognizes them, it is a recognition of their work. So. 
that's the one part of it. And I see motivation that do more experiments, do create more value, and it manifests in that part. And in a subtle way, it also impacts the credibility of uh, uh, DT organization with the businesses, right? With our board, with the external audience, our vendors. And all these subtle ways of credibility building helps us in advancing the cause which we we are pursuing. So, so that's how that's how I see it's a very energizing to be part of this process, and it is energizing all of us. One of your peers, uh, Kim McEnroth, who's the global CIO for Textron, uh, also an Orbi winner, uh, she calls it humble swagger. Right? It's it brings that that uh, that confidence, that uh, the joy to the team, and all that great work you're doing. So, and you're right. I was I had the honor of being uh, a judge in this year's 100 best places to work in IT, which you won once again. And it really, I think it really points to what you said earlier, your passion for the human side of the equation, because it's that's voted on by your people, right? So to be in that, and when I when I read your when I read your application, I was uh, I was blown away. I knew you were a winner right then and there. I didn't have the control of that. I just had a vote, but I knew that you would be receiving that award. So maybe highlight some of those initiatives that put you in a position to be a repeat winner in this prestigious award. Yeah. First of all, I, I think I will uh, give uh, credit to Oshkosh as a company, right? It means uh, is a, as a company, it's a very humble culture. Is a people first in its truest sense possible. It means people first is used many times in the industry, but, and I have been in the industry for a very long time and uh, comparing it, it is a people first in truest sense. And and all our benefit program and how how our leadership views the role of uh, digital technology that's the the highest level. The second level is is people want to see how you are invested in their success, right? And so when I when I said is raising the ambition of the organization means no, raising the ambition is a a, test, a testament to recognition that people are people are capable to reach to that point, right? And that shows the confidence. But that confidence has to go with actions which people can see, right? And the action number one, um, if I highlight measure, we invested heavily on upskilling and reskilling programs, right? Initially, it was very difficult, but it has become a habit. It's just like my wife tells me to go gym four times and every time I feel bad about it, come out, become very happy. The same thing is a training. You have to find time, you have to help employees get. And I'll tell you, we have now roughly 6,000, over 6,000 courses taken by our team. So that's investment in the people. Okay, that's one. The second is aspect is the experiential learning, right? Which is more important than then are equally important than that. So we we try to give we try to give opportunities to either expanded opportunity, a vertical opportunity, or different opportunities. Uh, ideally, I would like to give it to everybody, but we have been very successful to roughly one third of IT population, uh, giving them experiential opportunity that energizes. Right. Mm-hmm. Third uh, third thing we do is 
when we say we want to innovate, we, we have to be willing to do experimentation, succeed, fail kind of thing. And, and we do 14, 15 major experiments, POCs, some fail, some do. So people see that they are getting hands on, on the technology. So these are the three major pillars. But below that, I will say is kudos to my team leaders like Greg and others. They are engaged in frequent conversations, right? They, they understand the pulse of the organization. Uh, and it's not perfect, but they're all constantly in dialogue with the people. I have all all hands meeting. I do interactive questions. We do monthly uh, our HR does monthly survey, uh, and which is AI AI driven, which we get, I don't know, thousands of comments and we read them. These are all the ways basically having dialogue with our employees, investing in their success, helping them to advance themselves. Those are the way and combined with overall Ashkosh benefit and culture, all those things together. There's not one single thing which does the magic. It's a combination of things. Yeah, it, it, and I think the thing that I would really shine the light on, this is all, there's an intentional focus. You don't just do this by accident. You've highlighted some of the, the big rocks. There were a number of other things that were just equally impressive. Uh, those everyday things that I think really drive, because your employee engagement is off the charts and you, you, you continue to, to raise the needle there. So, um, you know, the other, the other award, the CI 100 fifth year, uh, I had the honor uh, at the awards event this year to lead what's called a leadership masterclass. So uh, basically it's, it's a uh, six hour program and I get to pick anybody I want to be my faculty. So in front of everybody right now, inviting you anew at the Terranea Resort in August to be part of my faculty in this masterclass. So uh, we'll talk offline, but congratulations. Five years in a row is just, is just staggering. And uh, I know you're very proud of your team because those are, those are the real deal. Um, Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the real deal, we do something really cool here on the podcast that you're aware of, which is our Tech for Good, right? We... We have this nine-month leadership development program called TechLX, and uh, we're committing $150,000 of this year of scholarships to that program um, with the idea of gifting those to nonprofits. And so as our guests, uh, love to give you the ability to gift a seat in that program to one of the many nonprofits that you're involved in. So does somebody come to mind, uh, top of mind? Yeah, first of all, thank you for doing that. I think the tech for good means uh, as a uh, IT community, we can help in spreading the skill set in the broader community. Yeah, one comes to mind is uh, uh, Boys and Girls Club of uh, Oshkosh. And uh, they do phenomenal job in our Oshkosh community. So I would like to uh, nominate them for this. Such a great organization. They do great work and, uh, you know, really invest in the community. And they're, they're restaurant owners and helping uh, helping kids, aren't they? I mean, they really they really own it. Absolutely. They are committed to the mission and they do a phenomenal job here. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that and uh, all you do for our industry. And, and uh, even today, I mean, I am, uh, as we wind down here, I'm inspired. I've learned. I've taken pages of notes here. Uh, I know our audience is going to really appreciate learning from you anew. And the good news is 
we're not done. We're going to spend a little bit more time here uh, off camera, and we're going to record uh, some questions for a blog on CR.com that'll be out next week. So look for that. And we're going to unpack uh, a really great um, part of your secret sauce, your formula. We, you call it the VSP formula, I believe. It's, it's value, strategic fit, and passionate sponsor. So we're going to talk about that. I want to get into your data strategy. I just heard you talk about that with Peter High's team on Technovation. Uh, just un unbelievable. But Anu, thanks so much for making time to, uh, to come and share today. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. It has been my pleasure here. All right, everybody. We will see you again next time and uh, be on the lookout for a news article next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.